0: Well praise the Lord it's sure good to be back here this week and uh, church thank you for putting on this meeting and pastor for doing this and for inviting us to come back it's just a blessing to be here and I know the, all the hard work that's been put involved in doing this and uh, we certainly don't take that for granted so thank you for your investment in our lives this week and in, in being here and I hope we can return that tonight and uh, maybe out throughout the week as well you got your Bible turn it over to the book of first Kings a very familiar portion of scripture I was given some very elegant advice today, uh, very godly, wise, elegant advice. Brother Goolsby leaned down to me and he said, brother, it's a good meeting, don't mess it up. So I'm going to try not to tonight, Lord willing. First uh, Kings, First Kings 17, if you've got your place, I invite you to stand in reverence to the word of God tonight. Y'all do pray for me, uh, uh, we just landed from Israel a few days ago and I've, we were sick from the, on the plane and, and still got congestion in our chest. And so it's uh, it's been a real struggle. So if y'all would, please pray for us. First Kings 17, we're just going to read verse number 1. And we're going to skip over to ver- uh, chapter 18 and read the first two verses. Last night, the Lord laid this message on my heart last night. And, and uh, Brother reigns, thank y'all for the songs that you sung. Kind of laid a foundation in this tonight. So thank you for that, being sensitive to the Lord. First Kings 17 and verse number one the Bible says in Elijah the Tishbite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead said unto Ahab as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand there shall not be dew nor rain these years but according to my word now take your Bible over to chapter number 18 in verse number one the Bible says and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying go show thyself unto ahab and i will send rain upon the earth and elijah went to show himself unto ahab and there was a sore famine in samaria let's pray father we love you we're so grateful again for the privilege we have tonight to be able to gather here in the house of god thank you for everything our ears have heard thus far in this meeting For everything that you've done thank you for Lord allowing the Word of God to fall on good ground as has been evidenced here this week but I pray tonight that it would continue to do so oh God how we need a touch from heaven tonight and I pray that your word would fall on good ground and that it would bring forth fruit I pray that you'll be lifted up and glorified in everything that's said and done and we'll thank you and praise you In Jesus' name, amen and amen, you can be seated. Of course, you're very familiar, hopefully, with these portions of Scripture about the contest. It's getting ready to take place here on Mount Carmel. And, you know, when you think about this whole scenario, this whole setting taking place, uh, this famine that's taking place throughout the land, realize this, that Elijah was not the prophet that was living during the time of this famine. Elijah was the prophet that caused the famine to happen. He is the one who prayed and the heavens shut up. The Bible tells us in James chapter 5 and verse number 17, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. You see, the Bible says that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as, he, as we are. That means he's a man just like you and I. He's a man, he's got struggles, he's got problems just like you and I have problems. He was a man just like the, the same issues that we might have. Elijah had those things. He didn't all of a sudden wake up one day a great prophet. He didn't wake up one day seeing the power of God and the hand of God on his life like he saw it in chapter number 18. It was a process that began to take place in Elijah's life and he had to learn how to walk with God. He had to learn to yield to God. You see God had some great plans for Elijah. Elijah had no idea what was down the road he didn't know what was in the next pages uh, that's going to be written he didn't know what the future held but I'm telling you God was getting ready to do something great in preparing this man for such a great task that was going before him so what I'm saying is in order for Elijah to be the servant that God wanted him to be he had to be humbled he had to be molded and made to that servant that God would have him to be I want to show you a few things here in our text today tonight uh, some places that God had to bring the prophet Elijah to to teach him some valuable lessons if you'll notice the first place we read about here in first Kings chapter 17 is found from verse number 2 down to verse number 7 the Bible says and the word of the Lord came unto him saying get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I've commanded the rain." to feed thee there so he went and did according unto the word of the Lord for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan now again Elijah's prayed and the heavens is now shut up according to the next chapter we'll read that Ahab King Ahab had sent out people searching for the prophet Elijah trying to find him Obadiah tells us about this and how people would go and say well Elijah's here and he would disappear that God would carry him away and so uh, there was a continual search taking place for this prophet but God told him he said I want you to go to the brook Cherith and hide yourself there now the word Cherith in Hebrew comes from the little Hebrew word charit and the word charit literally means to it means to cut it means to uh, make a gorge it means to cut out now understand where he's located at and maybe it'll bring a little light here he is somewhere south of the Sea of Galilee so he's somewhere between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea he's along that Highway 90 pass somewhere in that Samaria area and so along that area God said go and hide thyself at charit and so uh, by Jordan so Somewhere close to that Jordan River. Now, understand during the rainy seasons there in Israel, the rainy season's getting ready to start right now. And what'll happen is when you start going down from the Sea of Galilee and start heading south, you're going to run in and you'll see on the mountainsides what they call a wadi. Now a wadi is during these rainy seasons the water will come off the mountains and it will flow down and it literally will cut channels in the rocks. It will cut these channels through the rocks and it will lead all the way down into the Jordan River or lead into the Dead Sea and areas of like that. Now these, these, these wadis they literally uh, looks like a dried up creek bed is what it looks like now I've seen it at times I remember standing down close to Masada down in that area of the of the, of the Negev Desert down close in that area and I remember watching during the rainy season it looked like a waterfall coming off the top of that mountain there's probably 20 people pulled over watching this thing it's fascinating and it was just like a, a tidal wave coming off that mountain and we watched that water run down that wadi coming down those rocks as it has done for years just cutting channels through that rock and watched it come all the way down to the lowland there and I remember one lady uh, she's standing there and she starts going rats rats that's run in Hebrew and she's yelling at everybody to run and because the water's heading right to us and we're all looking at her like she's lost her mind because there's a big culvert underneath us and you know the water just runs right under us into the into the dead Sea. she got in her car and took off and left but uh, but that's the picture that's that water and God said go and hide yourself there and so you'll find it during these during these rainy months or these uh, these winter months that you'll see water are flowing in the midst of those and so it was along that Jordan River that one of those probably wadis that God is referring to that God has hid his servant Elijah and so here he is he's standing there uh, hiding there at that place of uh, of Cherith and so I want you to notice Cherith is a place of communion You see, God wants Elijah to get to a place where he can fellowship with God, a place where he can commune with him. Because you see, if he's ever going to be something great for God, he's got to have a personal walk with God. He's got to have a relationship. He's got to be able to hear him when he speaks. He's got to be able to commune with him. And God is wanting to speak to his servant, so that's what he said. He said, I want you to hide thyself there. I want you to notice some things. He wanted Elijah to realize some things. First of all, he wanted Elijah to realize that God is able to protect him. I mean God is able to protect him Notice what the Bible says there in verse number 3 He said get thee hence and turn thee eastward And hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan God told him to go and hide there I mean here King Ahab is sending out people to get the uh, Try to uh, capture Elijah But you know what God said I can protect you Elijah You ain't got nothing to fear You don't have to fear Ahab You don't have to fear Jezebel You don't have to fear nobody I'm telling you if God calls you to a Muslim country You don't have to worry about going over there and fearing for your life. You just trust God. You're being the will of God. God can take care of his servants no matter where he's at. And God is wanting to teach Elijah this valuable lesson about he is able. He is able to protect him from the enemy. But also God wants to teach him that he is able to provide for him. Here he is in a a place. No doubt water is coming in when places are going dry in the middle. Midst. and yet here is a place that God has provided for him look what the Bible says in verse number 4 and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there you see God was going to take care of him in the midst of this famine he didn't have to worry about nothing why because God was able to provide for him God was able not only to protect him but to provide for him in the midst of it I'm telling you listen what's he need to learn he just needs to learn to trust God he needs to learn to rely on on God why because God has got some great plans for Elijah's life I'm telling you listen God's got some great plans for your life as well and I'm telling you listen you need to learn to get to the place where you can listen to God and walk with God and learn to trust God and God is teaching Elijah these very simple principles he's able to provide for him I want you to notice as well he needed to realize some things but he also needed to remove some things he needed to get some things out of his life as well. You see, God brought him to this place. Why? Because Elijah had to lose his dignity. I mean if you'll notice what the Bible says there in verse number 4 We just read it but look again He said there and it'll be that thou shalt drink of the brook And I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there He said even down in verse number 6 And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning And bread and flesh in the evening And he drank of the brook Now if you know anything about Leviticus chapter number 17 It deals with uh, with the laws of the dietary laws One of those unclean animals is a raven And I'm telling you listen You're not supposed to eat the raven You're not supposed to handle the raven And you know what God is doing God is feeding Elijah with an unclean animal Why? Because he had to take some things out of his life His dignity You got to understand I mean Elijah He's a man just like we are And brother Chris you know what he just did He just prayed and the heavens shut up Now could you imagine one of us doing that Can you imagine us walking into church Oh, Oh man I just prayed in the heavens shut up. Yeah. How's your prayer life? Yeah. I mean, c- could you imagine what would have went through the prophet Elijah? I remember my first sermon I preached. Boy, I'm telling you, I was so humbled. I was so afraid, terrified. I remember getting up there. I had two verses of Scripture. Didn't have a th- I didn't know what to say. I'm telling you, God just made His self-evident. I'm telling you, I was so humbled and overwhelmed by what God did. I'm telling you, preacher, the next time I preached, oh, I thought I had it figured out, man. I got up there, and you're talking about just just flopping. I mean, it was, I'm telling you, you know what God had to do? He had to humble me. I'm telling you, that's what God had to do to Elijah. I'm telling you, he had to humble him. Here he's using this unclean animal. Why? He had to lose his dignity. Notice, secondly, he had to lose his delights. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 7. The Bible says, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land I'm telling you Elijah was sitting at a place of comfort He had everything he wanted He didn't need anybody He didn't need nothing And all of a sudden God took the very thing that he was resting in The very thing that he was relaxing in uh, The very thing that he found confidence in God took it away from him I'm telling you sometimes God will take things out of your life That he's placed in your life Why? Because God wants to get you to a place where you're looking to him God wants you to focus on See, God's working in a, why? Because he's trying to get him to a place we can use them in chapter number 18 I'm telling you God is molding him God is just getting him ready God wants him dependent upon him I'm telling you if this pandemic showed us nothing else it showed us how dependent we are on the world instead of on God I'm telling you sometimes God has to take things away from us so that we can realize how much we need him and I'm telling you that's what God was doing in the life of Elijah but notice the second place he brings him he brings him to that place of separation there at Cherith but then he brings him to the next place a place of surrender I want you to notice in verse number 8 down to verse number 24 notice what the Bible says in verse number 8 and God said and the word of the Lord came unto him saying arise get thee to Zarephath which belongeth to Zidon and dwell there behold I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee so God is now bringing him to another place a place called Zarephath now in Hebrew Zarephath Zarephath in Hebrew literally means to crush it means to smelt now I thought about that word smelt now you got to understand there in some of the old archaeological sites there in Israel you can go all the way down to the Dead Sea uh, excuse me, all the way down to the Red Sea. Go all the way down to the Red Sea. And there's a place down there called Timna. Now, Timnah is, they found mines down there in Timnah. These mines, they call them Solomon's Mines. Now, there at Timnah, uh, you'll find, once you go up in there, you'll see a replica of the tabernacle. That's where it would have been set up at one point. Uh, you can see that over there. But you'll go through and find these copper mines You see, as you walk around through those old uh, dry-looking rocks up through the Negev, the desert there, you're going to see these little uh, copper veins running through the rocks. You can still see that. And you see, what they would do is they would go through and dig vertical and horizontal shafts in the ground, and they would dig that copper out. Now once they would get those copper out, they would dig those stones full of that copper within it, they would bring them out and take them over to a smelting camp. And you can actually see still some of the ruins of the smelting camps, 3,000-year-old smelting camps. And so you can that what they would do is they would bring those rocks with that copper inside it, uh, that copper ore, and they would heat it up. They would have an oven, and they would heat it up. to. They'd take billows, and they said you would have to get it at least 2,200 degrees. And so what would happen was when you're putting those rocks inside those furnaces uh, that uh, that heat is going to take that copper and melt it. And so it'll melt out of that stone. You're going to put it into a copper nugget and then you'll take it later and remelt it to make tools or necklaces or jewelry or things of that nature. And so that's the process. It's it's taking that item out and it's extracting that uh, that copper out of it to, to mold and to make something out of it. And this is where God said he wants to take Elijah you see it's a place of construction it's a place where God is going to take he's done started taking things out of Elijah now he's wanting to start putting some things in him now he's gonna start building up kind of reminded me of the verse in Jeremiah in chapter 1 in verse 10 where God told Jeremiah see I've set thee this uh, set thee this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down that's what preaching does it tears stuff out we get up and preach the Word of God it tears things out of our life it's removing things out of our life but the verse don't stop there it says this and to build and to plant that's what the Word of God should do as you listen as it's preached uh, it should take things out but it should put things back in I'm telling you and that's what the message when you preach the Word of God it ought to do if all you do is tear down and tear down and you don't build up there's something wrong with the ministry Amen. should be a building up and and strengthening one another in our faith and so that's what God is getting ready to do in the prophet Elijah's life you see if Elijah is ever going to be any, something great for God he's got to be completely yielded to God. He said there in verse number 9, dwell there. You see he's no longer hiding like he did over at the other place. Now God says this is where I want you to live for a while. I want you to dwell in this place because God had some valuable lessons to teach the prophet Elijah. Notice a few things. First of all Elijah must, here he's going to learn to completely rely on the precepts of God. He's going to learn something about the truth of the Word of God here at this place in Zarephath. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 9. He said, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. God told him, Get up and go. Get up and go, and he told him exactly where to go to Zarephath. He said, Get thee there. Now, what's interesting is where he mentions him to go, Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. Now, I want you to look back in chapter 16 and verse number 30. In verse number 30 of chapter 16, the Bible says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. What a terrible testimony. Do you imagine having the word of God record a testimony like that? He did more evil than anybody before him. But notice what the Bible says in verse 31. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took the wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. You know where God's telling him to go? He's telling him to go in the regions of Zidonian. Here, Ahab, the one, Jezebel, those that are looking for him, God sent him all the way back to Jezebel's hometown. He went all the way back to where all the very origins of this worship of Baal started at. I mean, he's going to the heart of Baal worship. You know what God said? This is where I want you to go. You know what Elijah had to do? He had to learn to trust God. He had to learn to believe God. Just rely on what God said. Lord, I don't know, should I go to this country? I don't know if I can go to these people. I'm telling you, if God sends you, you can go wherever. Wherever God tells you to go. The safest place, you've heard it said over and over, is In the will of God. God tells him to go right back into the heart of idolatry, right in the midst of that. But he had to learn to rely on the precepts of God. You see, he had to learn to walk by faith. I'm telling you that walking by faith was a continual step by step every day Because look what he says in verse number 9 He says I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee I'm telling you that woman was going to take care of him every single day I'm telling you listen it was a daily walking by faith He's not just not stepping out on faith but he's daily living by faith You see Elijah had to learn to rely on the precepts of God Elijah had to learn to rely on the people of God Well, you think about it. He couldn't have made it without that widow woman. He needed that widow woman just as much as that widow woman needed him I'm telling you listen they had to learn to rely upon one another I'm telling you listen he had to trust that girl I mean here's this widow woman in a pagan country that would have been up in modern-day Lebanon today uh, we literally live on the Lebanon border in Israel we can see a, a Hezbollah controlled town from our town I mean it's just a couple of miles across the border there I'm telling you but listen uh, right there in that area is where God is sending the prophet Elijah to I'm telling you it's not a one Man show it's a working together that's why the church that's what makes the church so great it's not built on one person it's multitude it's people coming together that's why the Bible describes it in 1st Corinthians 12 like a body and the, the and then the need for one body part over another we need one another your pastor needs you just as you need your pastor we need one another I'm telling you listen the missionaries need you just as much as you need the missionaries and they had to learn to rely upon the people of God. I'm telling you, listen, secondly, thirdly, Elijah learns that he must rely on the power of God as well. Notice in verse number 17, verse number 17 of chapter 17, It came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And this sickness, his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him and she said unto Elijah what have I to do with thee O thou man of God art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son you know what's fascinating is when you start looking at what's about to take place. Look, look, look in verse number 19. He said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom. He carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and he said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and he cried unto the Lord and he said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came unto him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child, and he brought him down out of the chamber into the house, and he delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, "See, thy son liveth." Watch verse twenty-four. And the woman said to Elijah, "Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of God in thy mouth is truth." Yeah. Let me tell you something about Elijah. You know what's a, what's a blessing? It's getting around other believers and listen to them talk about what God's done in their life. Why? The Bible says let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Well, you get around somebody living for God and and you hear them talk about what God's doing, you know what it makes you want to do? It makes you want to live for God. Man, you hear what God's doing in somebody's life and you think, "Praise God. God can do it in their life. God can do it in my life." I'm telling you if God can do it for this person, then God can do it for here. But you know what Elijah has never heard an example of? Somebody being raised from the dead. Never. There ain't never been nobody raised from the dead. Elijah didn't know what to do in this situation. I'm telling you, Elijah couldn't go back to an example of another prophet. He couldn't go back and say, well, God, you did it for this prophet. No, Elijah didn't know what to do. Elijah got down and he laid on that boy three times. He besought God three times, begging God. I'm telling you, you know what Elijah had to do? He had to learn to rely on the power of God. I'm telling you, God heard his prayer. I'm telling you, listen, there'll be times, listen, you can trust in your Bible college training. You can trust in how you've been raised. But I'm telling you, you're going to get to a, a, a place in your life, your ministry, in your walk with God. You're just going to have to learn to rely on the power of God. God, I need you. That's the place that Elijah got to. He needed God and God only. I'm telling you why. Because God is teaching him something. God is bringing him to a place where God is getting ready to use him. God is building all this up for chapter number 18. That's where we come to our next place. We see the place of service that God brings him to. Chapter 18, look at verse number 19. The Bible says in verse number 19, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal, Baal, or Baal in Hebrew, they pronounce it, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Here they are at at Mount Carmel. Now the word Carmel in Hebrew, Karim El. uh, Karim El, literally Karim, two Hebrew words. Karim means a vineyard or garden. El is God. And so he's at a garden of God. Boy, I'm telling you, battle's getting ready to take place. And what's it called? God's garden. I'm telling you, God was loved. My wife loves walking through gardens. Amen. Why? Because, boy, she likes walking through and seeing the beauty of those gardens and the smell. Boy, she just, could you imagine what it's like for God when his servants are in his will at the perfect place? And I'm telling you, it's like a... Kind of like Romans chapter number twelve. I mean, just to, uh, just uh, just giving your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's the place that Elijah was at. Here he is at Carmel. I'm telling you, it's the Garden of God. But you know, I-, I thought about the place of this contest. I mean, the location. Oh, what a beautiful location! You can stand on Mount Carmel, and if it's clear out that day, you can look all the way across the Jezreel Valley. I mean, you're at the at the Start of the jezreel valley if you look behind you you can see the mediterranean sea and and but you can look all the way across that jezreel valley if it's a clear day you can see all the way to the country of jordan It's only about 25 miles or so. If you're a clear day, you can look all the way up to where we used to live at the base of Mount Hermon. You can see the snow on Mount Hermon. All the way up at the very northern part of Israel where Caesarea Philippi and Tel Dan is located in that area. I mean, what a beautiful sight. Could you imagine standing there? Because looking out, you can see just ahead as Nazareth is over here, Mount Tabor is over here. That's where Deborah and Barak have gathered together when they came out and met the armies of Sisera there in that valley of Jezreel. Real and they, their chariots were caught in that mud. All that would have happened right there in that valley. They could have looked right on down and seen where Gideon had drank the water. You can see it standing right there from Mount Carmel. You can see the location from that point. You can see where the, just across the valley where the Midians would have been gathered uh, there in that valley like grasshoppers out there. Uh, you could have looked just beyond that to the town where Gideon uh, lived and, and was born and raised. All that took place right there in that valley what of you and here they are in that location and boy it's such a beautiful valley today but it wasn't then here's three and a half years of famine no water it's a dry barren land just like the heart and condition of the people were I'm telling you listen but we see the the, the place of the but don't you notice the participants of the contest look if you would in verse number 19 look what the Bible says now therefore send and gather to me all Israel so here all of Israel Elijah tells them, go, go get all Israel and bring them here. So all Israel's gathered here. Notice as well, we see uh, the prophets that are gathered there. Verse 19, uh, the prophets of Baal and so forth are gathered there. Ahab, verse number 20 is there. And of course the prophet Elijah is there as well. I'm telling you, listen, but I thought about the courage that Elijah had to have. Standing there on that mountainside I mean the courage he had Man he probably Brother Reigns probably walked up on that mountainside As he's walking up singing Oh yes Oh yes I'm a child of the king I'm telling you what confidence he had Up on that mountain all along Standing there before those multitudes of people I'm telling you but you know what I begin to think Elijah notice what he said there in verse number 19 Gather all, to me all Israel you see Elijah wasn't expecting to be alone you see in chapter number 18 we find in verse number 3 Ahab called Obadiah which was the governor of his house remember Obadiah the Bible says in verse number 4 for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by 50 in a cave and fed them with bread and water and when he saw Elijah he's reminding Elijah about that he said didn't you hear how I took a hundred of the Lord's prophets and hid them in a cave here Elijah gets up on the top of that mountain. He says, won't you call all Israel? He didn't know how many is going to stand with him, but you know what he did know? He had a hundred men that's going to stand with him. Yeah. I know I got a hundred, because Obadiah said he done hit a hundred in a cave, and caves by 50. He said, at least I got a hundred people that's going to stand with me. No wonder he made the statement, uh, when he makes that statement, in, uh, when he goes, I, I only am here why would he make such a statement like that maybe the rest of that hundred was still in quarantine I don't know where they's at but why wasn't they there I have no idea but they had an opportunity and they missed it boy they could have been in on one of the greatest stories of the Bible but where were they I mean they had an opportunity We've got an opportunity. We've heard, man, Brother Chris, explain what an opportunity we have in the day in which we're living in and serving the Lord. I'm telling you, we've got an opportunity. Don't waste the opportunity that we got. These men wasted the opportunity. God did something great in their life. He protected them in a time of famine, and yet they're not there. Why are they not there? Why are the fields wide unto harvest and nobody out getting a, a reaping the harvest? I'm telling you, listen, we've got an opportunity. I'm telling you, but here we find the courage of Elijah. But I notice his confidence. Notice in verse number 18 and 19. He said, well, verse 17, It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah and Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Gives you the picture, that Hebrew picture of troubleth is, is stepping in the water and just kind of disrupting the water. He's going, you're the one that's troubled Israel. Notice what he said in verse 18. And he he answered and He said, I've not troubled Israel, but thou in thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and, and thou hast followed Balaam. I'm telling you, why could he stand with such confidence? Number one, it was based on life's experience. You see, God, he spent the last three and a half years at a water hole or a widow's house. And you know what God did? God taught him. God prepared him for this very moment. I'm telling you, listen. But secondly, he knew he was in the will of God. Look at what chapter 18, verse number 36 says. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I've done all these things at thy word. You know what? God told him to do it. You know what Elijah learned? He could trust on the precepts of God. He's like, Lord, you said to do it, and I did it. I'm doing all these things based on your word. He learned to trust. I'm telling you, listen, he learned he could have confidence in the word of God. I'm telling you, it was based on life's experience. It was based on, on, uh, on lessons of examples as well. I told you, I told you just, you know, we know the story. Elijah, he rebuilds the altar and sets up the 12 stones and they, he, he prays and that fire of God comes down and consumes the altar. Of course, they pour all those barrels of waters out. Why would he even pray that fire would come down from heaven? You know, maybe he's sitting up there watching those, uh, th- those prophets of Baal cut themselves and dance around. He might be sitting there just looking around thinking about some of the stories that took place. He might have looked down there where Gideon was from and remembered there in Judges 6 and verse number 19. And Gideon went in and made a ready, a kid, and unleavened cakes of an of flour And the flesh he put in a basket and he put broth in a pot and brought it out of him under the oak. And, and the Bible says that, uh, that when, they, when the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. He might have thought about that story and said, Boy, if you could do that for Gideon, you can do that for me. I don't know. He might have looked down to the right and looked down towards Jerusalem. He might have looked down in that direction and thought about when King Solomon had built the temple and they're dedicating the temple and, and all those oxen and animals are being sacrificed and the, and, and the power of God. I mean, I mean boy, when the, uh, the, the, the glory of God comes down and the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground. I'm telling you, maybe he thought if he could do it for Solomon, he could do it for me I'm telling you listen if God can use great men and great women in the past he can do it today he can do it in their life he can do it in your life I'm telling you Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are if God can use him then God can use anybody He's looking for vessels that are willing. Let me show you the challenge of this, and I'm done. I'm just real quickly. Look at the challenge of Elijah in verse number 21. Notice what Elijah says here. In verse 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Now that word halt in in Hebrew is the word Pesach. And it's the word, it's translated. Now understand, words have meaning only in the context. And so one word could be translated one way, it could be translated another way, and the context determines the meaning. But the word Pesach is the word that's translated also Passover. So here in the text it's translated halt. But over in Exodus it's translated as Passover. Why? Because what it literally means is to hop over. It means to go over. It means to to leap. It means to dance. I ain't going to dance ain't going to demonstrate that because I can't do it. But I mean, it means to dance. You know what Elijah's saying? It's time to stop dancing. It's time to stop jumping back and forth. He said it's time to uh, stop being over here. Okay, I'll serve God when, when things are in this condition. But boy, when things go bad, I, I, you know, I'll start serving Baal over here. I tell you, he said, it's time to quit jumping uh, over from one fence to the other. God, he's saying, listen, now's the time to determine in your heart. Now's the time to determine in your mind whom you're going to serve. If God is God, then serve him. If Baal be God, then serve Baal. Yeah. He's saying, quit, quit straddling the fence. Where are you at this evening? You see, you're at a crossroads in your life. You're at a place in your life you can choose. You can either serve God or not. You can choose to get all in or not. I'm telling you why. Why sit on this side? Why not get in? And the Bible says they answered him not a word. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. What an opportunity they had. What an opportunity they had to to serve the Lord. He's saying, listen, uh, it's time to serve the Lord. You know, I was reading over in Hebrews 11. Hebrews eleven thirty two 32, and you know, it goes to and he talks about how, how time would fail me to tell of Gideon of Barak and Samson. And he goes through a list of people. He said, he said, and those who have escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight their uh, armies of, of aliens. Women received their dead race to life again. You know who that's talking about? That woman. Right there up in Lebanon. Up in Zarephath. I and mean, her story was told right there in Hebrews chapter 11. The choice is yours. Quit straddling the fence. You'll never know what great things God has in store for you until you stop straddling the fence. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for the privilege we have to be able to serve you. I pray that you take this message tonight. I pray you challenge you young people, challenge all of us tonight, Lord, to quit straddling the fence. It's time to get serious, it's time to get busy. For the night cometh when no man can work. Father, we love you in Jesus' name.